0: As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. With five seconds, he's going to throw it. Howard leaps. He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. Back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good, and Big it's <laughs> with yes, a 54-yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They
1: do it. Here's Cupack. Gives off to Amos. He's good! good. He's be He's, He's, He's good!
0: good. Unbelievable. 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 Unreal. Jordan back to kick. It's blocked again. Picked up. It'll be a touchdown, Carolina, for Bracey Walker. He blocks his second punt and scores his second touchdown of the season. It's 14 to 13. Mr. Jordan meets Mr. Walker. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side, Gio at the 35, Gio, he's at the 50, no he's not, yes he is, Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown, are you kidding me? This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast on Spreaker.com. Hey, guys, welcome into another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pegnata back with you. And that's right, this episode of the podcast, I will actually be talking more than my guest that is on. Not a guest, but, you know, my co host this time. Josh Marlowe is back with us, chilling out to talk a little bit of Tariel football. So, buddy, uh, Tariel football is rolling around pretty quickly here. We're now under three months away, and, you know, they're starting to show some of the advertisements. We got a graphic yesterday about the game against South Carolina. So, I mean, is it kind of starting to set in that we're closing in on the 2019 Tario football season and it actually starts right here in Charlotte for us?
1: You know, my football season doesn't start until I see you do the 100-day countdown thing, which I guess... This we're not year.
0: doing this year. Todd Green has taken over the 100-day countdown thing where he just puts out the graphics this year. I felt that this year it would be more professional to leave myself up. Also, this is what... Let me explain to you what has happened. I have suddenly apparently become more attractive to myself in that I look at my profile picture and don't think... I would never want anybody to see this ever. Now, I'm just like, I don't want most people to see it. So I'm figuring putting the profile picture up is a pretty solid one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't like looking at you as much as I have to, but here we go. Hey,
0: hey, hey, I don't like looking at you either, and that's why we're where we're at. Yeah. We're behind the mics. That's what they told us.
1: But yeah, no, in terms of getting ready for Carolina football, I've told you this since we hired Mac Brown. Every time we've kind of, something's happening, it's like, okay, this is happening, so this is getting closer. I'm as excited in June as I've ever been for the upcoming year for a team. That I would won, agree with that. Yeah, that won two games last year. I'm just going to be brutally honest. I mean, there's just so much energy, excitement. Whether it's the recruiting, the coaching, uh, Tim Brewster's tweeting every day. There's just something more that's like, okay, let's get to August thirty first. And it's not because I'm ready to watch Oklahoma and Houston put seventy on each other. It's because I'm I want to watch Carolina play. And you know, we we've, we've been talking. And you know you've been doing some previews, but like this team might not win six games. Right. But they're going to be vastly improved and a lot easier on my eyes to watch.
0: Well, I think you're right. I think that what this program has now more than in the last couple of years is hope. That's kind of what was lost in this football program under Larry Fedora. And now you're sitting here in June saying, well, Mac Brown's back. He's won a national championship. He was very successful at Carolina. And for the most part, you know, it's, it's kind of funny to look at it. Tar Heel fans look at Mac Brown's finish to his career at Texas as, yeah, we would take that in a heartbeat. Whereas Texas fans were pretty much like, yeah, it's time for this guy to go. Well, if we're winning nine or eight or nine games a year in Chapel Hill, first of all, in the ACC Coastal, that is not good. Let, let's be really honest. They, the, the ACC Coastal right now, I wouldn't say it's a dumpster fire. It's it's not quite as bad as as I would say the Pac-12 South is, where you just have no idea who's who, who is going to come out of there. I think that Miami has gotten some building blocks. Virginia Tech, you know, you you say what you want about Virginia Tech, I don't think they're really going to go anywhere. But it seems like there is at least an opening. I mean, would you agree with that? That the ACC Coastal is is relatively open for somebody to step up and take over that role. There's not someone set in stone right now.
1: I mean, I've I've said this all off season that if Carolina was to find itself in Charlotte in early December, no one would be utterly surprised because this is what this division does. I mean, last year you had Pittsburgh, who couldn't beat Carolina play for an, a conference championship. But I do think, and you've had guys on you that have kind of backed it up, that with the addition of Mac Brown coming back, we've talked about the staff, which is clearly the best in the coastal side of the division, probably the second best in the conference. Yes, you're, I would agree with that. You're, you're they're probably the most team that you could probably say could make the A.C. title game three of the next five years, as opposed to Miami with a right. first-time head coach. Virginia Tech, where Wentway hasn't done a bad job, he's in an impossible situation. You're replacing Frank Beamer and all of he what he accomplished, somehow enters, what, year four, year five, and they're pretty much telling him, you don't win ten games and have us in a New Year's Six Bowl, you you might be fired. His
0: situation is so, weird, though, with I, that, with all the transfers and everything, like it's very strange to think that a guy that, for the most part, I mean, we, we would call, I mean, you would call him relatively successful so far. Yeah, right? I mean, at I Virginia think he's Tech, done a right? very yeah. good
1: job there, considering. Um, it's what Frank Beamer did there is not easy. It's not an easy place to win. Oh yeah,
0: Frank Beamer so, is is a historically great head coach.
1: Um, but getting back to Carolina, yeah, no, right. I, I I do like where we're at. Um. Eight or nine wins, like you said, at Texas ain't good enough. At Carolina, you're competing for a conference championship m- most years. Right. Um, I think he'll have this program in college football playoff discussions. And not talking in terms of the Final Four, but when we're releasing rankings in late no- October, early November, Carolina might be in that 12 to 16 range as an outside team. If they run the table, can make some noise. I think we're going to get there. <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm not the one that shares that belief. So, yeah, he's definitely brought back hope that like we haven't had since he left. Right. Um. At least with clean recruiting, as far as we know, and everything like that, because Butch Davis was the hope was all illegal. <laughs> I mean, with 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 benefits, <laughs> yeah, grades, I, you name it. It just wasn't the type, the right type of uh, excitement
0: the program wanted. Right. Right. I mean, this excitement on the surface at least we can't all we can't say anything because we're not the guys that are actually recruiting seems clean and they're doing a fantastic job now I want to urge this to people and this will lead into the opening drive that we'll do this is a good class that they're putting together this class also has 15 commits which is the second most of any team in the country I believe or It might be third most. I know Mississippi State is ahead of us, and I think maybe Alabama is ahead of us, I believe. I think they have 16 as of right now. Um, But it's pretty close. So the, the volume of guys that are coming in is good. The Average ranking according to twenty four seven sports, which is what I go through for most of my recruiting stuff. Also rivals, you know they they have us up there pretty high as well. But most of the averages are decent, not great. So what I'm what what I'm looking at from this perspective because I do think that there will also be other guys that will probably look to move on. Mac Brown pretty much wants his type of guys in there. And it makes sense considering that you are completely flipping a defensive scheme. You're going from pretty much a straightforward 4-3, 4-2-5 type of defense with John Papuchis to now it's supposed to be a 3-4 base but really it's just positionless defense. It's you you want athletes just about everywhere on the field. So you're going to have to recruit different types of guys. And then when you talk about the offense, you're going to an air raid offense. So I think there'll be a pretty good number. That's probably what will keep Carolina really high. But if this class finishes in the range that I personally think, because I was asked this question by a listener and a a follower of the blog the other day. Um, he, you know, he asked me, "Where do you think this class finishes?" I think sixteen to twenty would be a pretty solid range. I mean, would you agree with that? That that would be a good range, especially That's, for his first full class. Yeah,
1: no, that would be phenomenal considering where we've been averaging under Larry Fedora, which was in the mid twenties uh, to thirty range. Um, and it's like you said, he's bringing in volume of players, so you're getting mm-hmm. quality and quantity, right? Which is something that we could never really get under Larry Fedora. It was one or the other. We either get a quality player but not the quantity or to get quantity players but they didn't have a whole lot of quality max getting both um to the point where it's it's made fans mad because he's brought in two four four star quarterbacks in 2020 and we and we
0: you know you see people why are why are you doing this okay well we're gonna save that we're gonna save that because we are going to talk about that here in a minute but i wanted to start with this week's opening drive opening drop. And on this week's opening drive, we're going to talk about the commitments that happened this week. And it's AJ Beatty and Bryce Watts. Both those guys committed to Carolina after taking their official visits. AJ Beatty, uh, three star strong side defensive end from Central Catholic High School in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Central Catholic is one of the better recruiting schools uh, when it comes to the state of Pennsylvania. There are a lot of kids that come out of there. It's a really good talent factory. Um, this is rare. We don't see Carolina really go up into the Pittsburgh area. Usually, you know, or or really even Pennsylvania, usually it stops at about Washington DC. That's where they usually will cut it off. But you can see that, you know, Carolina is starting to stretch their recruiting zone just a bit. I mean, you got a guy, both quarterbacks are actually from out in the middle of the country. You got one from Texas and you got one from Arkansas. So, you can see that they're starting to re- stretch their recruiting boundaries a little bit. I mean, we know that, you know, the areas that are important, Charlotte, Greensboro, uh, the Atlanta area, uh, some parts of Florida, central and south are the main parts, also Jacksonville, very big. But Carolina's really starting to stretch it out just a little bit. Also, Tidewater region uh, is another area. Carolina's done a lot of great recruiting. But um, getting back to Beattie, he's a guy that had 15 sacks as a junior in high school. That's a really good number, especially for a high school player because sacks are not all that easy to come by at the high school level, mainly because you just don't play a lot of games. He got that in 11 games. And the other thing is, is guys, quarterbacks are, are, are very prone to making bad decisions as opposed to taking sacks. At the high school level, you'll see the guys that will try to heave the ball 60 yards down the field rather than take a sack. So, 15 sacks as a junior, really great number. Um, the best thing about him that I watched was his handwork on tape. He's a guy that... You know, at the high school level, it's so hard to teach guys. You don't always have to beat people with speed or with power. You can... There are certain strategies that you can use. He does a great job of keeping the offensive tackle's hands off of him. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's the best thing. You know, everybody's always saying that, look, if they get their hands on you, it's not the worst thing. It's when they get their hands inside of your shoulders, that's when you're in trouble. So, you know, I saw it multiple times. I think uh, I think Beedy's a really good player um, that really can come in and, and give some value to Carolina. He's not that highly ranked, and it's really because he's pretty much just going to be a pass rusher. He's pretty limited. He's not a guy that's really going to be able to get sideline to sideline and stop these guys off the edge. He's not going to be a guy that's going to make a ton of plays um, against some of those runs, against some of those outside zone option plays. So it, it'll be interesting to see you know, what he's able to do when he gets on campus at Carolina, if maybe Tim Cross can work on some of those things with him and help him become a little bit of a more well-rounded player. But I'm going to tell you, um, you know, having a guy that's just a downhill pass ass rusher, nobody's ever going to turn that away. And then the other guy that committed was Bryce Watts. This is the transfer from Virginia Tech. The corner, he was on campus, kind of quietly on campus. Didn't make it as public as the other three guys that visited campus this past weekend. Last year, had 29 total tackles, an interception, and seven pass deflections as a sophomore. But he did have a little bit of an up-and-down season. Some of the people around Virginia Tech football pretty much said there were times where he was really good in coverage, and there were times where he really struggled in coverage. So so I, I think he is pretty much taking the place of KJ Sales, a guy that you know had some flashes at times, really showed something and then at other times he really had his struggles. There were games where he was really good and where he was really bad, so we'll see what he can bring to the table in Chapel Hill. That will probably have to wait though as he will apply for the hardship waiver, but it looks like he's probably going to have to sit out until the 2020 season. Um, More than likely it's going to be the same situation with the other transfer that the Tar got at cornerback earlier this season in um, a guy that will come in as a true freshman, and Cameron Kelly, who made the transfer, of course, uh, from Auburn after he enrolled there back in December, went through a little bit of spring ball and then decided to look elsewhere. So, um, overall. Two guys that I think can really help. Uh, Watts, I think, is a guy that could really... He's going to help Carolina regardless. But now, I mean, if you're looking at the 2020 season, just think, no Patrice Rene. And, you know, I, I, I think that is probably a bigger loss than we thought heading into last year, especially considering now he's extremely highly ranked according to pro football focus when it comes to some of the statistics that he put up last year among ACC corners and you know the fact that right now we just don't have that other guy locked down at that number two cornerback position so Bryce Watts could definitely help BD, I think is a guy that we'll have to wait on a little bit more but we'll definitely have to wait and see so sorted through some of that with the opening drive. I know recruiting is more of my thing, Uh, but now, okay, we are going to talk a little bit about recruiting, but this will parlay into a little bit of a different conversation. So as you guys know, We do have two quarterbacks that are set to sign in the 2020 class as of right now. Two guys that are committed. um, In Malik Hornsby, who comes out of Missouri City, Texas, um, right outside of the Houston area. And then Jacoby Criswell, who comes from Arkansas, Moralton, Arkansas. Went back, watched the tape of these guys. Malik Hornsby, the best comparison that I could give you guys. A lot of people want to compare him to Vince Young. He's a He's smaller. You know, still a little bit raw as a passer. I think he's very comparable to Lamar Jackson, a guy that's an absolute athlete when it comes to his ability to move uh, in the pocket and outside the pocket. He's going to run the ball a lot. Now, he does have an arm. He has been a three-year starter, but he is still a little bit away from becoming what would be a dominant player in an air raid offense. So he's definitely going to have to come to Carolina. He's going to have to work on a lot of different things. I think his mechanics are probably something that will be looked at as well. But I think Hornsby... Translates to a Lamar Jackson type. Um, I mean, when you run a four-five-nine, you're going to do something. I mean, plain and simple, you're 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 going to be pretty good. He's running. Uh, I, he, has already run in the state championship for Texas, and now I know he's running another track event actually this weekend. So there's some big stuff going on for Malik Hornsby. He's a guy that's going to fly around, and as much as you want him to, to become that passer in the air raid offense, he is going to be a guy that will bring that running element. When you look at Jacoby Criswell, he's a little bit different. Bigger-bodied guy, a guy that definitely has the better arm of the two. Uh, His arm strength is strong probably I would say second best on the team if he came to the team this year if he was let's say he was actually enrolling in the fall he would probably be second behind Howell for arm strength I mean these two really can sling the rock and Criswell is a guy that I think reminds me a little bit more of Vince Young with the bigger body. Uh, really, a guy that's only looking to run to extend plays. Now he will run the ball at times. They do draw up some read options for him, but usually when he's back there dropping to pass, he is on the run, looking down the field to make that pass down the field. Now, he's not a guy that's going to tuck and take off um, just you know on, on instinct. He's a guy that really does a good job of keeping his eyes down the field and extends a lot of plays from what I've seen. So you know the. These two guys are are both, I think, valuable assets in this class. One of the things to note is that Malik Hornsby is still going to take official visits. So while he is committed to Carolina, I don't think he's as solidly committed as maybe some people would want to believe. And, you know, Jacoby Criswell, at this point, seems like he is 100% committed. He's a guy that's already recruiting other players to come and play at Carolina. Hornsby, you don't really see that. So... You know, when you look at this, a lot of people took a, t- took issue with the fact that the Tar Heels now have two quarterbacks signed in this 2020 class. That would mean that heading into next year, if everybody was to stay, which we don't know that for sure, there would be five scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. Would you, I mean, are you a guy that takes issue with the fact that Carolina is adding two quarterbacks in this class.
1: No, I put it on there once he committed, the second one committed, and the, they started asking, why are we bringing in two when you've got three freshmen on there? And I was like, y'all wanted big boy recruiting. That's what we were getting with Mac Brown. That was what he promised. This is what he's doing. Um, that's how Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, that's how they recruit. You're right. Um, and that's what Mac Brown is doing, and he said he was going to do. Um, is one of the three that on that on campus right now? Are likely to transfer, probably.
0: Yes. That's, oh yeah.
1: That's probably going to happen in the nature of one one of two of them are not going to win the job. So
0: that will probably of, happen this year. One,
1: one's going to leave. Um, you know. Um, so that puts you down to four. Right. Then you bring in two. You probably redshirt one or the other one, and you stagger their their years. It's just it's how you recruit today, and if you if they leave, they leave. But, I mean. You you want to recruit with the with the the best of the best? You bring in. I mean, you, Clemson's so good recruiter, and they're turning away five star players. They're, they're, We're not on that level, you yet. know. So. I don't see their fans complaining about that. I mean, they're, they're turning away five-star players because we don't have a roster spot. We're mad because we're bringing in two quarterbacks. Larry did it this whole time there because you want to have a depth at the most important position uh, on the football field. Right. Um, and if you're getting the type of talent that Mac Brown's getting, if you've got guys that can be Vince Young or Lamar Jackson, those were dominant players at the quarterback position, then hell yeah, sign me up. So I have no problem with it. Um I mean, you're going to see him do it all at really every position if he can to stack as much talent at all positions, create competition, make the players better, and, of course, make the team better.
0: Well, I think that one thing that a lot of people have to realize is that recruiting has changed a lot really in just this past year because, as we've seen it, the transfer portal is a huge thing. We saw it again today. There was a Did you see the, the kid from Florida State that is transferring? That's a true that that is a true freshman that was enrolled in the spring and is already transferring. Exactly. So pretty much what this tells me is that not only do you have to pretty much recruit these kids during their recruiting cycle, once they sign that letter of intent and enroll, it used to be over. It's not anymore. There is someone that is always in their ear. There's someone in their ear when they transfer. A la Brew McCoy the wide receiver or whatever you want to call him, the athlete or whatever they're going to clarify him as, that enrolled at USC, transferred to Texas, and now is going back to USC. So it's uh, the the nature of the transfer portal right now, I think kind of handcuffs you to this sort of mindset where you've got to look to land as many possible guys at, these positions as possible, especially quarterback. Quarterback, I mean, if you even have a hint of losing your job, you're going to hit the transfer portal. I mean, look at Matthew Baldwin, the quarterback from Ohio State, that didn't even wait. I mean, did they, they said the quarterback battle between him and Fields was pretty close. Doesn't even wait, just transfers. Goes to TCU. Right. Didn't even hesitate. He was... In the quarterback battle, there were some people that were saying this kid might win the quarterback battle over the transfer Justin Fields. But who knows what happened. Had a bad practice or whatever, and maybe Fields was thought to have taken the lead, immediately transferred. So, And I'm not saying that's how our guys are going to be. It doesn't seem like that because they've stuck through the spring and it doesn't look like any of them are going anywhere right now. All three of them are going to continue to battle. And it's like, you know, I I had one of the fans that uh, was telling me the other day, well, what happens if both of them transfer? Because I think that's a possibility. Uh, I don't see that happening because look at the injuries that happened to us last year. Remember, we have two guys on the roster that have experience, but both of them came in in their first game and were injured in their first game that they played in. So injuries are going to happen, and especially with the Tariels, because we seem to have the worst injury luck ever. Hopefully that will change under Brian Hess, our new strength coach, but... I think that it's important for people to realize what the landscape and mindset of college football is now. And it's like you mentioned. I mean, another one that I like to bring up is what happens if Clemson had turned away Chase Bryce and said, you know, we don't need need you. I mean, who knows? Do they make the college football playoff last year? Probably. They probably make it, but they aren't undefeated. Because if they don't have him, they do not come back and win that game against Syracuse. Let's say they have a guy that was a walk-on, which would kind of be the situation that Carolina could be looking at if, let's say, they had told Criswell, yeah, we're not, we're, we're not necessarily worried about you now that we got Hornsby, who's a guy that's not solidly committed. Let's say then you do lose one of your guys that's currently on the roster. So let's say that you have Sam Howell, Jace Reuter or Cade Fortin and then you would have the walk-on who's coming in this year and Vincent Amendola which is a guy that wasn't I mean look we you know you can't again recruiting rankings are, are what they are you know they they're they're marginal because sometimes you look back on some of the guys and you're like dude how is this guy unrated how is this guy a two-star but Vincent Amendola wasn't rated by 24-7 sports in the 2019 class and they ranked I think near 2,000 prospects around the country or maybe more than that even so I mean this is not a guy that you're going to say okay if we need him to start a game he's going to be okay so I mean I don't I just to me it seems like this is the right mindset to have especially if you know that Hornsby is committed but may not be as committed as some originally thought when he chose Carolina. And, you know, I mean I, I guess I get the people that are saying, well, you know, we we you got you got Howell who's extremely talented, guy and Hornsby who's extremely talented. Are we just wasting Criswell? Well, I don't necessarily think that's true. And you know, as we've seen with some of these other guys, I mean, look at Nathan Elliott and Chad Surratt. If you just went off a of recruiting rankings, Chad Sur- Surratt should have easily been the starter, and we can all agree that even though he wasn't really that great, Nathan Elliott was the better of the two quarterbacks. Right. So I mean, you know, I I I just this this argument to me is one that I mean, look, you you can take whatever side you want to on it, but I mean, if you're, it's like you said, if you're going to recruit on a top level. Like Mac Brown wants to, then this this is the right thing to do, and I I I mean I'm a guy that just I don't have a problem with that. So I mean, is there? I mean, anything else you want to add? No, on, I mean on this, this is
1: you know we we literally sat on this podcast and on social media for years,
0: complaining about recruiting uh, quarterbacks in specific. Remember that we were on pace to miss out on a quarterback before Howell signed in this class when Mac came in to miss out on a quarterback for two out of three years. Yeah. Which is unheard of and in we, today's college football recruiting. we have been wanting
1: high level recruiting and upping the talent level. This is how you do it. If they leave, fine. But this is how you build a championship roster. Right. And that's that's Mac Brown's goal. He'll worry about the attrition as as it as it happens. He's doing it now, so just trust a man that when we hired, we all got you know excited about because what he's he's doing everything he said he was going to do when he took the job. Right. So if if Howell leaves or Reuter leaves or my guy Fortin leaves, it's gonna suck. But that means that someone else is better than them. We have a better chance to win more games. Okay. I don't know about you. I want to I want to win. Yeah,
0: no, I'm I'm, a, I'm I'm right there with you. I think everybody's at that point. When you win five games in two years, it, you so, you get that you get that mindset.
1: I don't care how you do it. I don't care if we got to start a different quarterback every year because they just keep transferring. I don't give a damn. Win, well, That's game, not gonna happen. Win, win of course games. not.
0: So. Okay, I want to ask you this question because you said that you think one of the three that's currently with the team right now will transfer. And I believe you're right. I, I, I agree with that. Which one of the three do you think will be the one that will transfer out of, yeah. out of all of them? You think it'll be Ruder?
1: I think Fortin's going to win the job. Um... And I think I don't think Howell's going to leave because he's a year behind them. Right? You know, you, you might you might redshirt him, or he might redshirt, or whatever. But I think at some point, Rooter will leave.
0: I think it's going to be interesting because I think that from what we've heard, they're really liking Jace Ruder. They, I mean, <laughs> Phil Longo really likes him because he's got that mobility to him. Um, I think Cade Fortin has shown some stuff. <laughs> But I feel like with, with Reuter's ability to move, I think that he throws a little bit of a softer ball, which helps some of our guys. Because we saw last year with Fortin, remember the game against NC State? I mean, there were a lot of drops, which part you of still, them... You still got to catch... Oh, it, I know. it was on. A, part of it was on the receivers, but it seems like that was... Part of that—that that might be a, a little bit of a bigger issue. He was—I
1: was mean, I don't times know times in inclement weather that we haven't seen since Trubisky
0: was there. So that's—that's uh, that's not saying a whole I'm lot with saying, the group of guys that we have guy had was since. Throwing
1: then. and we were there. It was very cold. Yeah. Well, yeah. It wet, was. It
0: was not a good day for and football. It
1: was. There was a breeze in Keenan Stadium, and he was putting the ball where the ball needed to go.
0: Oh, again, I'm not saying that he is. Re- and, and here's the thing about Fortin. This is the reason why I think Fortin, in in a lot of people's minds, was ahead early on in spring camp. He was a guy that came in and grasped the playbook very quickly, as opposed to Reuter and Howell, which took a little bit of time. Now, Reuter, I think, was probably right along there with... with, with Fortin Howell was, you know, of course, a little bit behind because he's a true freshman. This is his first time on campus, so getting adjusted to everything and then getting adjusted to the playbook is a little bit different. Um, I would probably lean Fortin out of the three of them, but it's it's going to be close because I feel like Rooter's a guy that will that that wouldn't mind sitting behind. Howell just in case. Although I think Jace would be a fantastic fit if Les Miles wanted him out of Kansas. So, I mean, it. it I, I think it's one of those two. Let, put it this way. I don't think it will be Howell because I think what's going to happen is I do believe that Reuter or Fortin will probably start the first game. And then I believe Howell will eventually take over because he's the most talented out of the three. Um, and it, I mean, just From watching him He's a guy that comes from A system that Wasn't an air raid offense But it was somewhat similar He's a guy that I think will like the fact that there's a little more freedom in the offense uh so you know i think i think the system fits him well and eventually he'll take over i'm gonna go with fortin you go with Reuter, but uh you know who knows we'll have to wait and see if it plays out hopefully both of them stick on the roster that would be nice but you never really know so um any any other things you want to you want to touch on here or are we ready to get this thing uh shut down all righty so we'll wrap it up with the 40 yard dash It's time for the 40-yard dash on the Heel Tough blog podcast. And on this edition of the 40-yard dash, we'll start by talking about one of Carolina's defensive ends who is on schedule to be back in the fall with the Tar Heels. Alan Cater has been going through summer workouts and looks to be recovering very well from his injury that he suffered last year against the Syracuse Orange. Of course, that ended his season. It was a torn ACL, but everything looks pretty good now, and it looks like he will be able to slide in. Now, it'll be interesting to see where he plays, if he's going to stand up and play outside line or if he is going to keep his hand in the dirt and play defensive end. But it will add some more depth back on that defensive line that is – kind of needing it and really Alan Cater's a guy that when I went through and looked at it, he's probably a guy that's going to end up starting due to all projections so to have a guy that's as talented as that, really looked like he was starting around into form before his injury last year, had some big news Also, Trenton Simpson and Timothy Lawson, two of the Tar Heels' big targets in the 2020 class, are set to make their decisions Now, Trenton Simpson will be the first of the two, that's the four-star outside linebacker from Mallard Creek High School in Charlotte, North Carolina As of right now, this was One that was trending pretty well For a long time for Carolina Then Trenton Simpson went and took his First and now only Official visit to Auburn And apparently things went really Really well According to Inside Carolina, he cut off communications with Carolina over the weekend, and as of right now, it pretty much seems like he's going to Auburn, or at the least, he's not coming to Carolina. So that's one where, if we're being real honest... You probably shouldn't be that locked in on that recruitment. You still never know. With him, I still feel like there is some time in his recruitment because he's only taken one official visit. I don't know if he's scheduling any official visits later on this year. Of course, that's not going to be released until well on into the season but this is the new thing this year where you can take the summer visits Uh, they actually started it last year but this year they're opening it up even more Um, a lot of guys I think are going to start taking those visits early but that's could lead to more decommitments, guys, that when they circle around and start heading to some games, heading to some later official visits, or start rethinking some of those things, um, You know, they're, they're, maybe they look back and say, hmm, maybe I have to reconsider. So you never really know. I don't think it's over just quite yet when he does commit, but at this point, it's not looking great for Carolina. Meanwhile, with Timothy Lawson, the three-star offensive tackle, he was on campus this past weekend, really had a great visit. Um I think Torhill illustrated was saying that he, according to him through their interview Carolina was now on top But Louisville is is right there. Those are the top two teams in his decision. NC State is also lumped in there, but I think it's between Louisville or Carolina. This one looks like there's a really good chance for Carolina. That one's going to take place on Saturday, um, and that'll be something to definitely keep an eye on. Of course, uh, Timothy Lawson, the three-star offensive tackle that comes from National Christian Academy in Fort Washington, Maryland. Um, If Carolina is able to land him, that is a guy that they could use on the offensive line. Of course, they are going to lose some guys. Charlie Heck will be moving on as well as Nick Polino after the season. So Carolina will be looking to make some impacts on the offensive line. Trey Zimmerman and Malik McGowan right now are the two guys that are committed so they will look to add to that. And finally, the 7-on-7 camp for Mac Brown and the guys. That is today. That is actually happening right now. Some of the guys that are in attendance, um, Dev- Des Evans I know is out there participating in that. Uh, he's actually... Doing some outside linebacker drills So that's going to be interesting um, If you're out there watching that And then the Showtime Camp is Saturday That's the big one The Showtime Camp is basically taking place Of the Freak Show Camp So that's going to be where everybody's going to be You're going to have guys from the 2020 class 2021 and 22 A lot of big time in-state guys Especially on the defensive line That's going to be the group where If, you, if you're going out there to check this thing out uh, You have got to keep an eye On the defensive line That is where all of the great prospects are going to be. The 2020 class is loaded with a lot of in-state guys. Same thing with 21 and 22. Um, And some of the guys will be taking official visits. Both of them are defensive linemen. Kedrick Bingley-Jones from Providence Day High School in Charlotte, North Carolina, will be here, uh, or will be up there, excuse me. And also Sean Martin, the three-star Uh, strong side defensive end from Bluefield, West Virginia. He will also be taking his official visit. So keep an eye on all of those guys. there will also be guys like Drake May, the quarterback from the 2021 class. That'll be interesting to keep an eye on, especially with what we just talked about here earlier in this podcast, and then a couple other big-time targets for the Tar Heels. So... I want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the podcast. You guys can go and check out the podcast everywhere that has podcasts, and then also on the website at www.heeltoughblog.com. That's where you can check out the blog as well. we got the off-season series that's still going on. Go ahead and go on there. Check out the offensive line rankings. we got the five tiers of offensive linemen in Carolina history. There are some controversial ones that I think you guys will want to argue about, including me putting Jeff Saturday in the third tier. That's one that I think a lot of people will be a little bit shocked on, but go ahead and read through the article and maybe you'll come around to my side of thinking. Also, we got some great recruitment articles that are getting ready to go up. We'll preview Trenton Simpson and Timothy Lawson's commitments a little more in depth. uh, And also, we'll have everything that we can uh, provide for you once those guys do commit where Carolina will possibly go after that. And uh, some of the we we got another thing coming up where we're going to talk about the most important guy, for the Tar Heels to land. Of course, with the podcast, more season previews are coming up. We'll also talk a little bit more about some of the recruits as we've been trying to get you guys more familiar with the guys that are signed in the 2020 class. And also coming up down the line, we will reveal our scouting schedule for the 2019 high school football season in the Charlotte and surrounding area. We might get on the road a little bit this year, hoping to get up to Greensboro to scout one or maybe two of the guys that are up in that area for you guys. So, once again, want to thank Josh Marlowe for joining me, my co-host uh, as always, and want to remind you guys that is uh, that that you guys can check out the Roy's Boys podcast. That one is on Spreaker, iTunes, uh, Spotify. And iHeartRadio. Those are the same places that you can, of course, check out the Heel Tough Block podcast. So, thank you guys for listening, and as always, go heels.